The following is a sermon from the Vicar and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. for our sermon this morning comes from Acts chapter 1. And this morning we're beginning a new sermon series, and that sermon series is called Next. And, and if you think about it, Jesus and his, or these disciples, this, this young Christian church, probably had a lot of thoughts about what was coming next. Because Jesus had risen from the dead. He had spent time with them, and then he had ascended into heaven. And and he had left them with a big job to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. So how are they going to do that? What comes next? And and throughout this sermon series, we're going to be studying some of the beginning chapters in the book of Acts, where we see this young Christian church carrying out that mission. The words that we have this morning come from Acts chapter 1. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Alcaldama, that is, field of blood. For, Peter said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added the 11 apostles. This is the word of the Lord. I talked before about the disciples wondering what was going to come next. And I think in the last month and a half before this story that the disciple that we hear see the disciples in right here, there was a lot of times where they were wondering what was going to come next. 
You see, these men had been traveling around with Jesus for three years. They, they lived with him. They ate with him. They heard him preach. They saw him perform incredible miracles. Can you imagine being able to do that? And then they enter into Jerusalem, and Jesus is greeted with shouts of praise that Palm Sunday. Maybe they're thinking, finally, other people are recognizing who Jesus is. Then Judas betrays Jesus. He hands him over to the religious leaders, and Jesus is put to death. So now the disciples are wondering what comes next. They killed Jesus. Are they going to kill us next? And, and we heard that in the, in the gospel reading for today, that they're huddled in that room out of fear. But then Jesus appears to them. Jesus is risen. Suddenly their whole world is flipped upside down again. And with excitement, they're wondering, what comes next? And then a few days, a few weeks later, Jesus ascends into heaven. I wonder, I bet the disciples were wondering, well, what comes next? Because these are the very first days of the Christian church, and, and they were already filled with uncertainty. In fact, they have this crisis that they need to deal with right away since, because of Judas. So what do, does this church do, this, this, this young church? Well, Luke in Acts really records one thing that they do for us. They join together constantly in prayer. They pray. And today I want to share with you this church in prayer. Because I think there's a lot that as a group of believers, as a congregation, we can learn from this group of believers about how they pray. Because it's a prayer that they raise up in a time of crisis. And, and it's a prayer that God answers in an incredible way. See, the prayer that, that we hear about today is prayed in a pretty difficult time. Can, can you imagine what was going through the disciples' minds about Judas? Because this is the first thing that as a church they address. And, and it's because it needed to be addressed. Just imagine, this was Judas who had spent spent three years with all of these men, and then he had betrayed Jesus. I'm sure there was a whole range of emotions among the believers there. I'm sure for some of the disciples there, there, there were questions going through their heads, like, how could Judas do something like this? Why would Judas never have mentioned this to us? Then you have some disciples who maybe were angry with Judas. Because not only did Judas betray Jesus, but he betrayed our trust too. And then you also have this, this overarching feeling of, of sadness. Because Judas, out of despair for what he had done, had, had killed himself. And in fact, Luke adds a detail of, 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 about how that happened here that's, that's pretty gruesome. And, and that, if that thought was on their mind, there was a sadness because they had known Judas. They had, they had lived with him, eaten with him, traveled with him, and now he was gone. I think this was a pretty emotional crisis for this church. And, and it's not just a crisis because of what, how people were feeling inside of the church. 
Luke records that all of Jerusalem had heard about what Judas had done. So, so this is kind of a silly thing, but I want you to imagine for a second that you're the PR man, the public relations manager for this, young, for this Christian church. And you have to deal with this public crisis. Because you can imagine how those conversations would go with Jews in Jerusalem. So you are Christians, right? You, you follow Jesus. Yeah, we do. He was executed, wasn't he? Yes, he was. How did that happen? Well, one of his closest followers turned him over to be killed. I'm not sure how many people would have been excited of, of joining this group of believers if that was the only thing they knew about. So, so even at the beginning of this church, in the beginning of their, their mission, there, there's this crisis. So what do they do? Well, once again, they join in prayer. And, and first, Peter is going to stand up and, and preach about Judas's betrayal. And if this was like the, the installation of Matthias, it, it was kind of a weird text for <laughs> Peter to be preaching on is the betrayal of Judas. But, but Peter explains that, that Jude, this had to happen to fulfill Scripture, that, that God is even using Judas's sin to fulfill his plan of salvation. God is even using sinners to fulfill his will. God is using sinners in his church to accomplish his plan for the church. And, and we see that example here. Because you have listed here in this reading, you have the, the 11 apostles listed. And wow, these were the apostles. These were the ones who studied at the foot of Jesus, who, who were sent personally by him. But you know what else they all had in common? That's a group of sinners. This whole church that's gathered here is a group of sinners. And I think that's one thing that in the last 2,000 years hasn't changed in the church. We're still a group of sinners that are gathered here. We, we struggle daily with sin. And, and there's even sin amongst believers, amongst a congregation. So, so what do you do when, when a sin like that comes up, when there's a crisis, when, when someone betrays your trust, when someone commits a sin and, and, it, and when someone commits a sin and it hurts us. Well, sometimes there's only one thing to do. And, and we see it here. They join together in prayer. And that's exactly what they, these believers did. They, they needed to replace Judas. And it was a big decision, so they prayed about it. And, and there's two things, two big takeaways I want to share with you today about, about the prayer that these, that, these, that these believers join in. in. In the beginning, Luke says that these believers join together constantly in prayer. I want you to think for a minute, if, if I gave you a, a journal... That, that you were supposed to, for the next week, write down every time that you prayed and what you prayed about every time that you prayed. And then at the end of the week, you were going to give that journal to someone else. What do you think the adverb they would use to describe your prayer life would be? Would it be, this person prays constantly? This person prays regularly? Occasionally? Rarely? 
See, these, these believers understood the precious gift that they had in, in prayer. These believers had been taught by Jesus himself to pray. And, and he's taught us how to pray too. And it's this incredible gift that we have that we can, because of what Jesus has done for us, because he has redeemed us and made us children of God, we can talk to our Father in prayer and know that he hears us and know that he answers. That the second big takeaway from, from these believers here is both time that when they pray, they join together in prayer. And, and I think that's such a beautiful thing when, when, when we are all, when we're all gathered here and we join together in prayer. It's really a confession of, of our common faith. It, it, sh- it, it declares the unity that we have in Christ. And in the face of a crisis where they were all feeling this pain, they joined together to pray to their, to their Heavenly Father. Trusting that God is still in control of all things. Trusting that Jesus still rules over His church even though He wasn't with them anymore. And they pray with such confidence when they pray. This, this prayer that they have, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. See, this is a big deal. They are trying to pick the next apostle. It's a big position, a big decision to make. And, and it's interesting how, how Matthias is called to be an apostle. Because he's not in a boat with Jesus after a miraculous catch of fish. When Jesus personally says, come follow me. He's not like Paul who was on the road to Damascus when the heaven opened up. There was a bright light and the voice of Jesus spoke to him. No, here God uses his church. Human reason, human decision, human these believers have a list of qualifications they decide on and they pick two men who can do the job and then they leave the rest into God's in God's hands think of the confidence that they have in God think of how if we had that same kind of confidence when we have a big decision to make right they're both good options both God-pleasing options but we have but we pray and leave it in God's hands. In fact, they're going to cast lots for between these two men. It, essentially, it could have been just like flipping a coin and trusting that God, the person God wants, wants in, in that position, would be there. And God answers their prayer in this incredible way. Matthias is called to be an apostle. God answers our prayers in an incredible way, too. Think of how interesting this must have been for the disciples who, who prayed to Jesus when, when just days before they could talk to Jesus in person and know that he would answer, answer right back. But, but it's just like they're praying in that same way. They don't miss a beat. Lord, you know, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these men you want. And God answers their prayer. And, and God answers our prayers too. God doesn't just leave these men and never speak to them again. I don't want you to think that God never speaks to you. Because these apostles, these witnesses of Jesus' work, they wrote down the words and works of Jesus. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, they write, they write the words of the Holy Scripture. 
That's how God speaks to us today, through those words. And, and we respond in prayer, in prayer to him. God answers prayers, our prayers, and he answers them in incredible ways. See, this marks a new moment in, in the Christian church. Because Christ was no longer here on earth with his disciples. But that doesn't mean that he just left his people. Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and now rules over all things for the good of his church. And you see it here. And he's still in heaven today, ruling over all things for the good of his church here on earth. The church that he bought with his own blood. The church that he paid for their sins by dying on the cross. The, the church that he declared righteous by rising from the dead. That's who we can turn to in prayer in times of crisis. That's who we can trust will answer our prayer. So today, I want to encourage us to be like this early Christian church, to be a church in prayer, to be a church that trusts in the promises of God. Let's be a church in prayer. Amen.